Chapter 16, Pete's Discovery What do you make of it all? Pete asked, after he had told Hatsy his day's adventures. Same thing I make of the wind, Hatsy replied. I just let it blow. Moles as nutty as a fruitcake. Probably think he's chief rain in the face out shooting buffalo. Fact is, I've seen swells on a dude ranch playing with those bow and arrow sits, but I never thought I'd live to see one of them up here. Anyway, my idea is we just keep working on our rag rug and leave him alone. You don't think he's a rustler then? Pete said. He felt somewhat disappointed. He had halfway convinced himself that Moore must be a cattle thief of some sort. So far as I know, you're the only rustler around here, Hatsy said. If my back's all right tomorrow, we better ride out where you can get a good chance to give Sandy some calf roping practice. The next morning, they trotted off west of the dunes in search of likely calves with the lazy B-5 brand on them. As they rode, Pete kept feeling the short piece of rope he had quietly tucked under his belt. He hadn't asked Hatsy, but he intended not only to rope a calf, but to throw it and hogtie it with a short rope, the way the cowhands did at branding time. He'd seen it done in rodeos, and he didn't want Sandy to be the only one who learned something new today. Sighting a white-faced Hereford cow and her late calf who hadn't been weaned, Pete unlimbered his rope and formed a good loop. The calf didn't take to its heels until they were quite close. Just as Pete let fly with his rope, the little animal dodged like a rabbit at right angles and the loop didn't touch him. Full of delight at racing in open country, Sandy kept going. Pete had the job of both reining him in and recoiling the rope, which was snapping around. By the time he had got Sandy turned back and the rope coiled, the calf was a long way off. Pete decided that next time he'd guide Sandy in pursuit of the calf without making any attempt to rope. Sandy had to learn how to chase the dodging quick little animals first. Having a dozen times in the next hour, he pursued calves without roping. Each time, Sandy seemed more interested in the game. Finally, taking off after a calf, Pete knew that Sandy had really caught on. The calf headed toward the dunes, then zigzagged off to the right and then back towards the dunes. With each sudden break in one direction or another, Sandy followed close. This time, Pete decided he would make a cast. He swung his rope and dropped the loop neatly over the calf's head and then reined in. But the chase was too much fun for Sandy. He kept running alongside the frightened creature. A wild shake of the calf's head and it was free. Now Pete was way ahead of Hatsy and decided he'd better wait till the old man caught up. He waved his sombrero to signal he was staying and swung one leg up over the saddle horn. His eyes traveled idly over the dunes. Along the edge nearby, something caught his attention. There were rocks lying on the sand, a whole cluster of them with no other rocks near. Pete nudged Sandy over close to them and saw they were arranged in a definite pattern. Quickly, Pete dismounted and found that some of the stones were just ordinary rocks from a bed or a stream set in circles. Others were queerly shaped. Some were hollowed out, and in the hollows or nearby lay rounded stones like rolling pins without handles. Pete came closer and found scattered here and there sharp-edged arrowheads. No grass grew around the place. Apparently, it was usually covered with sand. Pete looked around for Hatsy and waved his hat urgently. These must be old Indian relics, he decided. He began to pick up arrowheads and fill his sombrero with them. As Hatsy jogged up, Pete ran up with the hat to show him what he found. Look at these arrowheads, he said excitedly. There's a lot more junk here, too. Fishing into the sombrero, Hatsy fingered one or another of the delicately shaped flint and chert points. He looked closely at the tiny irregularities in the edges, studied and felt the shapes. Look at these arrowheads were made like either the Utes or the Comanches, Hatsy said. They both hunted in this valley until the Utes finally drove the Comanches out. He dismounted and walked with Pete over to the place where the larger stones lay. Pete watched him going from stone to stone and felt real pleasure in the old man's interest in what he had discovered. 
Did you move any of this stuff? Hatsy asked. Only this stone here, Pete said, picking up one of the rolling pin objects. Where was it to begin with? Hatsy asked. About here, Pete pointed and then replaced it. What do you make of it? Hatsy ignored the question and kept on picking up an arrowhead here and there. He scuffed the sand occasionally and twice picked up a stone hatchet or a tomahawk head. Finally, he paused. Looks like a good yarn spinner could tell quite a story about what you found here, Pete, Hatsy said. Mainly, I'm good at just telling what's as plain in the hand in front of my face. Of course, I could lie like a politician, too. But now I'm not either lying nor telling the truth. I just have a dang good idea what must have happened here. Hatsy picked up one of the rolling pin rocks and put it into the hollow of one of the large flat stones nearby. See how this fits? Put some corn into the hollow and roll this rock back and forth over and you've got cornmeal before long. That's the way the Indians in the Pueblos down in New Mexico always made cornmeal. And still do. I thought you said the arrowheads were Ute or Comanche, Pete interrupted. I did. That's where the store comes in. Nobody but the Pueblo Indians ever used these big stones for grinding corn. And Pueblo Indians never lived here as far as I ever heard. But I know they used to come up here hunting deer and antelope. There was still lots of antelope in the valley when I first hove in. Chances are the Pueblos packed this stuff along and camped here. A lot of Indians thought the dunes were some kind of magic. Maybe those circles of stone had something to do with the dances or the ceremonies they did. Hatsy paused and went on. Now, it looks like they set up a camp here and they lit out in a hurry. Nobody leaves these corn grinders like that carelessly. They take a long time to make. This is what I figure must have happened. These Pueblo Indians had been rustling deer and ended up in this territory. They used some Comanche climbers theirs. On the side, the Pueblos were getting in some of their ceremonials, too. They sure got a lot of them. I seen them. They'd a lot rather dance than fight. They were probably busy carrying on with a big fandango when the rightful owners of the valley dropped in for an unexpected call. Looks like the raiders were mighty poor shots. There are plenty of arrow points, but no bones here. Pete had never been so close to Indian things before, and he was excited both by his find and by Hatsy's guess as to what had happened. But that must have been a long time ago, he said. How come nobody's ever come picked up this stuff? Probably nobody ever saw it from that day to this, Hatsy replied. Chances are those Pueblos camped here when a freak wind had cleared the grand of sand. Then, after they hightailed out, the ordinary kind of wind blew the sand back and covered everything. Then another freak wind in here the last few days must have cleared the sand away from the place, Pete said. And there's no telling how long it will stay cleared away either, Hatsy replied. Could be covered up during the night again. This stuff is worth collecting. Let's get to work. Pete picked up one of the big corn grinding sets and started to lug it toward the horses. That's not what I mean by get to work, Hatsy said. We ought to do this right. There's a lot more here that we can wrap up in our slickers. I'll go get the wagon. We'll make a real job of it. We'll camp here tonight. I better go with you, Pete said. We can pack up faster if there are two of us. When they had finished packing back at the camp, Hatsy pulled a stub of old pencil out of his war bag and found a paper sack from under the wagon seat. You take these, he said to Pete, and ride out on ahead to our Indian place. While you're waiting for me, you draw a map of the whole thing. I saw some college professors once down in Arizona digging up an old-timey Indian thing 
and this is how they done did it. They put numbers on every piece of stuff, and then they put the same numbers on a map in the right place. I don't get it, Pete said in surprise. I got a suspicion that some museum fellow would be interested in what you found, Hatsy said. You can't put it all in your suitcase and take it back to Chicago, and I'm not going to lug it around forever in my wagon. Jeepers, I'd sure like to keep some of it myself, Pete exclaimed. Time enough to worry about that later, Hatsy said. Get it! As Pete went on ahead in a fast trot, he found himself thinking what a good kind of guy old Hatsy was. Here he was, spending his summer helping a strange tenderfoot get a horse and then knocking himself out to help some museum get a collection of Indian relics. Still, Pete felt it wouldn't hurt the museum any if a few of the arrowheads ended up in his room in Chicago. He was pretty sure Hatsy would agree to that. By the time Hatsy reached the Indian find, Pete had completed his map. He had measured the distance in strides and had drawn a little circle on the map for each of the larger rocks, corn grinders, and hatchets. He hesitated at first about the arrowheads, but they seemed to be lying in no particular pattern, so he picked them up as he found them for fear they might be scuffed over with sand as he and Hatsy moved about. Hatsy drove the wagon up close. How you coming? he called. I've got the map, Pete answered. What about the numbers? You tether the horses off there while there's some good grass, Hatsy said, pointing. Well, I get the hang of this picture of yours. In ten or fifteen minutes, Pete was back. We start on this side, Hatsy said. You hand me a rock, I'll put a number on it, and I'll put the same number on the map in the right place. Then you can stow the stuff in the wagon. But not on top of our bedrolls. We're going to need them tonight. When we're through tomorrow, we'll let Lamb worry about finding a place for our rock pile in his barn. By the time it was too dark to work, they were well over half finished with the job. Wearily, Pete made a fire and Hatsy warmed up a quick meal. Then both of them were asleep, almost before they could lie down. 